0: Hey, fellow patriots, I'm Bree.
1: And I'm Blaze, some call me Pa. It has been said that we have four boxes to keep ourselves free. These are the soap box, the ballot box, the jury box, and the ammo box.
0: And we are the fourth box. We are here to arm you with enough information, resources, and skills to take back your freedom, increase your self-sufficiency, and inspire you to join in the fight against tyranny.
1: Thomas Jefferson said, Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Thank you for joining us and for joining in this fight.
0: Welcome back to The Fourth Box. Okay, so hello everybody. Welcome back. It is me, Bree.
1: And Pa, some call me Blaze
0: yeah well said Switched it up this week um yeah. hey everybody so signing signing on here from the virtual metaphorical buckman tavern pops what do you got yeah. this week
1: well i have uh i have a sam adams uh one of my favorite of the founders uh considered to be a you know really instrumental in the uh, construction of the early documents uh the declaration and uh, the articles of the federation and so forth and he and his family were involved uh oddly enough with brewing beer up in you know the boston area so uh, uh cheers to all of our all of our patriot friends out there that'll be joining us uh salute yeah.
0: cheers everybody All right., um, so I think since we were talking founding documents the last two weeks, we kind of want to recap some of those things, and maybe a, a better term would be to elaborate a little further on some of the topics we discussed. We kind of covered a ton of ground, and looking back on it, I know that once we start going and we get on a rant, I think we do start talking a little bit about things that maybe some people have never heard of before. So whenever we see fit, we'll, we'll try to jump back into some of those topics and talk, talk a little bit more about them. So tonight, I know we just are going to recap a couple things. Dad, if you want to start it off.
1: Yeah, sure. You know, uh, over the last three weeks now, this being our fourth time that we've got together already, um, and I do want to send a big shout out to everybody who's been sharing our, our uh, podcast uh, for sure. Everybody who's been listening, uh, I think it's awesome, appears to be getting some legs. So we're really thankful for everybody that's that's doing that and joining us. Um, Ditto. But wh- one of the things that uh, we did discuss very early on uh, that uh, was pointed out is necessary to maintain liberty was eternal vigilance, meaning all of us have to be engaged and we have to be engaged all the time. It can't be once uh, every two years or four years at election time. We have to be engaged and we have to understand the way the system is supposed to work. So that the eternal vigilance idea is what led us into breaking down, you know, the founding documents, starting with the Declaration of Independence, uh, which, as you know, we, we discussed in, in, in pretty good detail, uh, Mm -hmm. but really what we felt that it came down to was uh, identifying government's mission, and government's mission in this country is largely spelled out as to protect life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of everybody. That's their job, period. That's what was spelled out in the Declaration of Independence. We wanted this government to do. So then that kind of dovetails nicely into the Constitution, which then shapes, you know, constructs what the government is going to look like. It's going to have a legislative body, an executive body, a judicial body. There's going to be different terms about what type of government is, a republic, a constitutional republic. There'll be information about how the document can be changed. And only by that means, Mm
0: -hmm. you know,
1: which is one of the one of the um, articles in there and and about the oath that everybody's going to have to take. You know, in order, to, in order to accept the position in public office, all of them, executive, judicial and legislative branch, all will have to take these. Oaths. So, so the construct and what the government is going to look like and what their responsibilities are were, were in the Constitution. And we had a great session on that. And, of course, we continue to advocate that, you know, everybody get themselves a copy of their uh, citizen rule book. Uh, these things are available. There's just a tremendous amount of information that people can take further than what we're elaborating, uh, elaborating on here. So then, last week we spent the session, uh, Bree, as you recall, and you might want to jump in here on the Bill of Rights.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, the one thing that I really wanted to add, and I know that we talked about it a little bit in between sessions here, was you had brought up the. Relationship, um, between us and government as being more of like an employer-employee relationship, and I am really glad that you thought to bring that back up this week because I wanted to talk about it last week when we were talking about. I mean, it's relevant to every amendment, of course, but I remember when we were having the conversation, it was like right in the front of my mind, and of course, we started down one tangent and another, and I didn't get to saying it, but I was thinking about it with the Fourth Amendment, which is the one, of course, that talks about all of your rights to privacy. And I was thinking how interesting it is that them being our employees are the ones spying on us. It's already, you know, let's just make it like normal life It's already a bad look if you as the employer are snooping on your employees, you know, outside of normal bounds. But if the employees are snooping on you as the boss, would you not get rid of them right away? Like, as someone who has personally hired and fired, and I know, of course, you too. If I found some one of my employees was spying on me, my personal business in any capacity, or you know, the like upper levels of the business or whatever it may be, they would be gone. And I think that's so weird because when we look at the situation with our government, our employees, we don't give them the boot. No, Mm -hmm. no. Instead. We say, not only can you keep your job, but you can continue to do it poorly and more and more poorly over the years, and we'll give you a raise to do it <laughs> what yep. what is happening
1: i I think that's uh a, such a great analogy in fact uh to move right along from the bill of rights and the the uh you know the first ten amendments. That we were that started this piece of the conversation, and we talked last week we we felt that every single one of them is being violated mm-hmm. so then that brings up your point about looking at government and and I wanted to talk about that today so i'm I'm really happy you went this way already you know i i I look at government two different ways from from an employer employee standpoint or from a from a law abiding standpoint so let's just talk about as you were mentioning. The employer, employee standpoint. So we, the employer, and and, and I think partly Bree and you probably agree. Part of the problem is much of the country doesn't look at it that way. They simply yeah. just genuflect because they think government's in charge and we're just supposed to do what we're told. For sure. So we're really trying to wake people up to the notion that we're we're their boss. We hire them, and the first thing we did was say. Here are 18 things that we want you to take care of us, this collection of states, Mm -hmm. and we want you to take care of maintaining a military. Between all the states, we collectively have a military. We collectively have one type of currency. We collectively have a sound border and all of these things. And in addition to that, here are some things that are spelled out in the Bill of Rights that you absolutely must protect must protect you, must be the most vigilant of defenders of these 10 things in the Bill of Rights. Instead, as we mentioned, because of society's complacency, apathy, lack of interest, or whatever, those are the very things that are under assault by the very people that we hired Mm -hmm. to protect them. If you were in any other situation... If you hired somebody and said, here's 18 things I want you to take care of. And oh, by the way, these 10 things here, you absolutely have to make sure that nothing happens to these 10 things. And then they began systematically destroying and desecrating everything that we, the employer, charged them with doing. What would you do? Well, you would probably fire them immediately and maybe... You'd bring them up on charges if there was theft of public property and all those other things, which I think at some point we will illuminate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So from that whole idea of an employer-employee thing, I think that's a great way of looking at it. It is truly what it is. Yeah, of course. we, we, We are the employers. We hired you and this is what we hired you to take care of. And you mucked it up terribly. You're out of here. All of you. Yeah, Every single one, every single branch, you messed it up, you destroyed it. You absolutely went against the will of we, the employer. Yeah. You know, so anything anything more on that? Because I think I like to talk about the law side of it as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think you can dive into that because I think they go very much hand in hand. And I think the more you look at each example, the more you see that it does sort of fall into both categories.
1: So yeah, I, I think it truly does as well. I, I so so the Constitution, within the verbiage of the Constitution, delegates it as the supreme law of the land related to those specific duties, only those, but yeah. related to those, including the Bill of Rights. That is the federal government's job, and these laws, right. these laws, we the people wrote the laws. They didn't. These things that are in here, spelled out by the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, are the supreme law of the land. Who breaks them? The people that we elected. Who are criminals? You know, I, I was thinking about that last week, and you and I talked in there. You know, it was mentioned a couple of times that the folks in government are criminals. And some people are taken aback by that. That's putting it nicely. These people yeah. have broken every single thing that they were charged with upholding and charged with protecting, and they are the supreme law of the land. So who is the criminals? They are the criminals. And until we can get a bigger slice of the population to accept that, recognize that that is what they are, we got to throw them out. They are criminals. They have stolen. They have saddled our kids and our kids' kids' with insurmountable debt from which they could never crawl out from under, these are things that are absolute violation of what they were charged with doing, and they criminally engaged in that activity.
0: Of course. I think that those two things are the biggest misconceptions for the general public, is that they see both of those analogies as being the reverse. They see the government as the ones that Control the Constitution. They see them as being the ones that crafted the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. They think they're in control of those founding documents. But what they fail to understand or remember is that when the people wrote them, they were not government. They were the people rebelling against their government at that time. So they're thinking about it in the way that the government has control over these documents and what happens with them, and that we just have to go ahead and listen anytime they make a change or override or ignore or disregard because, oh, it's, it's their deal, and we're kind of mm-hmm. at the will of those people and their documents and their laws and so on. But that's just all backwards.
1: It's, it is 100% backwards, 100%. Yeah. I, I, As you know, I always like to call on some of the founders and some of the great quotes they made, and I probably won't have this one perfectly right either, but Patrick Henry, another one of my favorites, a real firebrand from back in those days, made the assessment and the quote, The Constitution is not an instrument for the government to control the people. The Constitution is for the people to control the government, less government can come and ruin their lives or something to that effect. Patrick mm-hmm. Henry made that observation that has never gone away. These things in this book are not measures about that the people have to uphold and live by mostly. There's mm-hmm. a few things in there related to you know the census and so on that we're going to do this and that. But this book is meant as a control measure for those people that we put in our offices. These are their duties and only these. And there are certain ones that they specifically are charged with making sure that nothing ever happens to the freedom of speech. Nothing ever happens to the freedom of press or the freedom to practice a religion of your choosing or your right to bear arms or your right to privacy within your own home. Nothing ever was supposed to happen to those. Government's only charge was to make sure that that was the case. And who is the absolute, beyond a shadow of a doubt, biggest violator? the very government itself. So people have got to come to realize that. The only way we can push back against tyranny is for people to first recognize that they live in it. And oh, yeah. A, and a German philosopher, I think his name was Van, Van, Gogh, or Van Gogh, he said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those that falsely believe they are free. And yeah. I think a large segment of society, they still think we're free. They don't even recognize the bondage we're living in. So that's the big nut to crack, I think, is how do we get people to recognize, to your point, that they are our employees and Mm -hmm. they are breaking the law. Mm -hmm. We, as it's spelled out in the declaration, are are duty bound to do something about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: of course. And this is kind of veering away from you know the the people we think of in big government senators and uh, representatives and things like that and it's coming a little bit closer to home but it's going back to that analogy of criminal and the prosecutor and same thing we think of we think of them as the prosecutors and us as the criminals and Mm -hmm. you can see that very clearly and, and again, this is going back to that kind of smaller day to day life scale. When you pull out and a cop pulls out behind you, what do you immediately think? Oh, perfect. Uh, someone here to serve and protect? Or do you think, yeah. oh, sweet, I'm about to get pulled over. I'm about to get a ticket. I'm about to pay a fine. What am I doing wrong? You're constantly thinking about this person behind you because you immediately think you're a criminal, even if you have absolutely no reason to even be looked at twice by this guy behind you. But that's the mindset that has been instilled so deeply in all of us is that this person who is there to serve and protect Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: there to put us in chains. If you think that with a cop, what do you think the people that have way more authority
1: are doing? Excellent point. Excellent point. I I could, if I If I could for a moment, I dug this up because I I remembered it and I wanted to slide it in in a certain spot, and this is probably as good as any. And this comes from a court case, Cooper versus Aaron, and it's number 358, U.S. 178S. So, and this is from 1958. This is a note. Any judge who does not comply with his oath to the Constitution of the United States, wars, against that constitution and engages in acts in violation of the supreme law of the land we just talked about that the judge is engaged in acts of treason mm-hmm. so so acts of treason the u.s supreme court has stated that no state legislator or executive or judicial officer Can war against the Constitution without violating his undertaking to support it? And then it goes on and lists the court cases where you can find the support of this. So it's spelled out that if you break the law, the supreme law of the land the Constitution, even from the bench, it is considered treason. Treason. There's a pretty high penalty for treason. We have to start looking at the violations that our public servants are conducting every day in violation of the law of the land, Supreme Law of the Land, and even the, the state constitutions, wherever you're at around the country. Pick up that document, read it, and you will find out that many of the same limitations on your state officials are the ones that are evident in the, in the federal constitution. And they are only supposed to be taking care of those things. And if they're in violation of them, this ju- this judgment says it is treason. And we yep. have to start looking at it that way. These people have sold us down the drain. It isn't Republican. It isn't Democrat. we got to get off that silliness. That's all part of the theater. They keep us at each other's throats. Yep. The problem is the people that are sitting in high places have destroyed this country. They have destroyed every single thing that it was founded on. And it only we can change it yeah. because they are conducting acts of treason as spelled out in the Supreme Court case.
0: Yeah, it so, doesn't get any simpler than that.
1: Uh, I, I think you're right. And that was a great way to, to lead into that, this employer thing. I think that's a great way to look at it. Many, many people simply don't view it that way. But when we elect them, we are hiring them. And then they take an oath, which is promising to us that they're going to live by every single thing in that book. And none of them do it. And it is up to us to fix the problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the, the craziest thing is that when we vote them in, as you said, we're hiring them in to a position. And we hire these people in based on promises that they've made. So not only do they almost never keep a single one of these promises that they've gone on about for months and months of their, you know, campaign era or whatever, uh, they then don't keep the one promise that they absolutely must make to accept their position, their new job that we've hired them to do.
1: And we do nothing,
0: we do nothing about it.
1: Yep. That is an absolute home run. What that that statement is exactly perfect, perfectly put. When you guys run around and they're all waving these documents, they're all waving their Constitution. They got it in their public, (laughs) in their pocket, and they're out there on the on the tree, on the stump, talking about how they live by the Constitution. And every single time that they consider a bill, they first consider whether it's (laughs) compliant. It's such a load of crap, and. And they're all out there singing in this. And then when they get back into their office, they throw that thing in the corner someplace. They ain't never picked it up and looked at it. They don't know what it says. And when they accept that job, when they accept the nomination to win that seat, they stand up there in front of God and the whole world. And they promise us, with their hand on a Bible, they promise it that they're going to live by this thing. They're going to uphold it and preserve it and defend it for the future generations and for all mankind. And they absolutely desecrate it. From the day I think they walk into office, and, you know, we we probably talked about this a little bit in some of the earlier segments. You know, there's a few guys, and you you hear them on the TV or you hear them on the radio, and they're making a speech about this or that. and You say, man, that sounds great. That That's right in line with what I'm thinking. And then they go, and nothing happens. Nothing yep. happens. It's, it's all part of the act. It's all part of the theater. And we have got to quit, get beyond this point. You know, I, I have the opportunity to meet with friends and, and other groups that are out discussing things. And, um, you know, so many times there's a lot of people that are committed to just, oh, boy, if we can just get a few more Republicans or and if we can just get a few more Democrats and we're going to be able to fix this. Absolutely not. We yeah. have done that. We've been up and down that road 100 times you know, the definition of insanity is continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. That is what the society is exercising right here by just thinking, well, if we if we can get a few more Republicans in there, it's going to fix everything. Absolutely not. Everything has to be taken down. They're all a bunch of criminals. They all participate in insider trading and all the rest of it. It is the few take it from the many, supporting themselves down there. And And as we talked last week, they they have largely no political pressure because of this great big group that they've created that is completely dependent on government who is never going to stand up and say, Oh, wait a minute. I don't think I want you doing that. They are not going to do it. So they, that is the, that's the elephant in the room. I don't know how we fix that problem. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think one thing, and it'll never come to this. One thing that could be done is if, if you don't participate in the system, you know, to support, what government is supposed to be doing, then you don't have an opportunity to vote. You can't let all these people come streaming across the board. You can't let all these people sit at home that have done nothing for years and years and years and give them a right to vote when they simply are only going to vote to keep the rest of us enslaved. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah, Yeah.
0: of course. Um, It would change things so quickly, but you're right that it will never happen but you know we've talked about it the last couple weeks and we're going to continue to talk about it that obviously the you got to start with what's closest to you because there's no other way out i mean we've talked about this also is that generally if you start seeing somebody in the mainstream media you already know they're sold out doesn't matter how sweet they're talking if they <laughs> have if they've been allowed to make it to that point eh. yeah
1: <laughs> Probably they're, not they're, so good. <laughs> that's right. They're, they're a messenger for, they're, they are a messenger. They're a propagandist, which is all that stuff is. It's all propaganda. It's all garbage. The only thing that matters is the stuff that was promised in here to be upheld. And if they really want, if there is really a need to change this document, there is a mechanism to do it. Yep. Up until that point, all the propaganda in the world. You know, and we and we went off on some of the uh, some of the uh, pandemic things and all of the unlawful acts that took place. But this stuff happens every single day. It's just not in the framework of a pandemic. It's happening every single day. They're in violation of their oath and of the law, and we simply are sitting here tolerating it, bending further and further over to the ground, our face mashed down into the, into the ground with our butt sticking up in the air and getting kicked in the rear end every day by the very people who are supposed to be working for us.
0: Yeah. I often wonder how many people sit in DC and laugh at all
1: of us because think they they, they have Absolutely. good reason. Yeah. I mean how and 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 you know I, I think we I Bree, I think we hinted about this, you know, one of the earlier uh episodes that we the laboring class are so burdened with working for a living trying to make a living uh, carrying the burden of extraordinary tax burdens that's being shoveled into the mouth of somebody else who's done nothing to earn it, being distributed by these skunks in our offices to make sure that they're going to get reelected. And we are so busy striving to keep up with a deteriorating, collapsing economy and and just struggling to get by. Many people, many, many people working two, three part-time jobs, no insurance, that to have the wherewithal. And they created that on purpose because they got us stuck on the wheel. We're a mouse in the wheel running round and round, and we don't have the wherewithal to get off because you can't stop on the wheel or you ain't going to eat tomorrow. So they have created this never-ending perpetual chase Uh, where many, many people simply don't have time or energy to direct into learning this stuff and participating. And that was all done by design and intent, just like everything we see going on around us. You know, the border, the collapsing of the border and the draining of of the oil reserves and the deployment of our servicemen all over the world. All of these things are being done with one thing in mind, as far as I'm concerned, and that is to destroy, collapse this country, to make it an easier path for the few that want to run the whole program, the whole world and they got to get us out of the way and all of these very negative things that we see going on around us are done for that end as far as i'm concerned.
0: Yep. I completely agree. Uh that's there's going to be several times throughout tonight's show where i am saying i promise i'm not calling conspiracy. I'm doing that now. I'm not calling it a conspiracy, but it is on it's an undeniable truth that there are greater forces at play trying to destroy everything that this country is built on. And they are doing that in, I, you said it two weeks ago, a thousand small cuts or something Mm -hmm. to that effect. Mm -hmm. And I I did, since we were talking about recaps, want to touch back on the Texas thing that we talked about last week is that it's so important for us to remember that one of those small cuts, one of those ways that they infiltrate the mindset of the American people is by dividing us as a people. And with everything that's going on in Texas, there's a lot of people that are saying, I'm for Texas or they're they're not for Texas. But before we get ourselves in a big tizzy about which team we're on, I think in the end of the day, it's so important for everyone to remember that it's all one team and it's all of these officials that are acting illegally and unconstitutionally day in and day out that is on the opposing team. It's not Team Texas, Team not Texas. It's not.
1: It's That's right. That, team that's Team America right.
0: that's, and Team the unconstitutional folks who are trying to destroy it.
1: I I think that's a good point. I, I think you're right. Um every one of these Um, instances that gets any kind of national attention is soon created into a wedge. As soon as the story breaks, they start driving this wedge to further keep us distracted, further keep us at each other's throats, and that keeps the attention off of them. And them, by the way, are just puppets for the real ones that are are trying to destroy. All of our elected officials with all their pomp and circumstances walking around as if they're some special person Mm -hmm. are all just peons. Bowing down to the new world order or whoever these people are, WEF, the very few that want this country out of the way, because I don't believe all of them went down there with the intention of violating their oath. Yeah. I don't believe it. I believe there's a bunch of them that probably went down there with trying to uphold that oath and trying to do a good job, but somehow, some way, They all get compromised, and I don't know if their families are threatened. I don't know if they're caught in some kind of misbehavior, and the only way they can stay in is to play ball the way they're told, but all of them have been compromised, and none of them are doing what they promised to do. It's just that simple. It's Republican, Democrat. I'm not pointing fingers at any one side or the other. I'm pointing fingers at the whole swamp, the whole mess down there, because they all are participating in unlawful activity against we, the people.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And it it is because there is an anti-America initiative at play. We can speculate in many ways um and we're kind of going to dive a little bit into that later. Um but there we can speculate as to who it is behind all mm-hmm. this. But mm-hmm. we know there's an anti-America initiative happening. We can see it every mm-hmm. day and we also know that the biggest threat to tyranny and people in power by way of tyranny is freedom and freedom-minded and focused individuals. So Mm. America has always been a threat to tyrannical leadership because there are still so many of us, there have always been so many of us that believe in being free, that believe in personal liberty and ownership and have for so long been willing to fight for it. So even though it feels like we're the minority, there are still enough of us that we are a threat to people in power.
1: Well said. And and the, uh, the thrust to try to take things down uh, starts because this says government will be forever small it yeah. will largely be toothless and it will only have authorities on the specific things that we grant it. And that is simply unacceptable to the folks that are in there operating either for themselves and enrichment of their families or. At the behest of somebody else who, as we suggested, I really don't know what that group consists of, but there is some small group, whether you know it's the Bilderberg thing or the WEF or one of these very small groups that are all supported by the WHO and all these other international organizations, UN. But they are the folks that recognize we can't let a place like this stand where government is managed by the people, and they only have a few authorities, and the people get to throw them out the next two-year cycle if they don't like the direction of things. They simply cannot abide by that, and they have to get this free-thinking society broken down, destroyed, destroy the family, destroy all spiritual leaning, create race wars, let the border flood with fentanyl and terrorists who have ill will for this country, destroy the work ethic, break down the military, everything that is part of what makes us great. They got to break that down and get it out of the way. And that is, it is simply... Way too obvious to say that, oh, they're just making bad mistakes. No, this is the willful takedown of this country. It's been orchestrated, underway for a long time, and it just happens to be picking up speed right now is what what I believe.
0: Yeah. Yep. I completely agree with you. Uh, I think just as much as we've said that you can't defend your rights without knowing them, you can't defend your freedom without knowing it's being stolen from you.
1: Perfect. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so I, I I think that was more than an adequate recap of yeah, uh <laughs> I the I last, agree. The last three sessions, and and hopefully, uh, you know, this is starting to shine some light, maybe on on some of these things that people hadn't considered, and and that's really what we're trying to do. Again, as the fourth box, you know, ammunition. We really believe and, and are striving for a peaceful solution through knowledge, through spreading of the word, through motivating people to get out there and and recognize what your rights are and and how we what the tools are what the tools are that we have to defend them, just like these court cases. I got a whole list of them here where you know it simply says that, you know. No law or any law that, that's in against the Constitution is null and void. There's lots of this stuff down through history. So when somebody is brought up on a charge that is in clear violation of the Constitution, these are the things that need to be brought to bear. The, the, the court cases very, very clearly, succinctly say that anything that is in violation of the Constitution is null and void. That should be the end of it. You know, but we, we've allowed the the lawyers to take over the court systems and you can't participate unless you're represented by a lawyer. And if you don't represent by a lawyer, they just kind of lapped out of court because you can't keep up with all the finangling and the little terms and so forth that they put in place to trip you up. So it's it's ours. We have to recognize it's ours. We have to arm ourselves with the ammunition that has been created for us by our founders and and use this stuff to win this liberty back. That's, that's what we're all about.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that we've definitely kind of put ourselves into a good segue moment into the next conversation that we are going to have tonight. But I've been looking for a place to pop this quote in. We know we love quotes. And you bringing up the fourth box and ammo again feels like the right time. Uh, one of the best sources that we can learn from. I think when we talk about quotes, obviously we love the founding fathers, but the people we can often learn best from are the people that have already committed the same treason and have done the same sorts of things that we don't want to happen to us. And so this quote comes from Stalin and I'm not going to say the whole quote because it's long and not necessary, but the short version is ideas are more powerful than guns. And I bring that up because if we're going to call ourselves the fourth box and reference ammo, then I think it's really crucial to remember that if all of these people in power are trying to take away our access to guns, what do you think they want to do to our free ideas? Mm -hmm. They don't want them to exist. Sure. So us spreading these ideas, these thoughts, is more powerful than guns. And Stalin himself said so. So we're going to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that's a great one that fits right in there very nicely with our mission. Um, again, we are here uh, to share knowledge, to help people become engaged in these documents, to help them understand uh, what their rights are, where they came from, because as, you, as was pointed out earlier, how can you possibly defend something that you don't even know exists or you don't even know how it, where it came from and what happened to preserve those things first? There's blood down through the centuries that has been spilled to protect, first of all, to, to get this freedom and then to protect it for the last 250 years. Men and women from this country, largely the, the laboring class, have gone off on all kinds of missions, most of them unjust as far as I'm concerned, but they went off with the intention of preserving for future generation, our posterity, those coming after us, the rights and the blessings that have already been paid for by these others. And they have continued to go off to this day with that belief in mind that that is what they are doing. And there has been many, many maimed and and people that have lost their life in in pursuit of of keeping this treasure. And we are here in an effort to make sure that we keep it, and we're trying to do it with the sharing of ideas and knowledge.
0: Yep. Exactly, perfectly tied together. All right. So going back to uh, our little moments that we had before that, where we kind of started, or you started to alluding to a little bit this idea of something greater um, on a global level. We have this group of globalists, and we're talking about the World Economic Forum today because it's very relevant right now. It We're about two weeks out from it, so we really want to be talking about current events as much as we can and how those current events tie in to the main premise of what we've been discussing, which is just our basic rights, our liberties, and how we keep them. So I want to talk about the World Economic Forum because even though this is predominantly a podcast about America and American liberties and American history and things like that, this is a problem that is much bigger than just us and just here the fight for freedom is happening on a global scale and that became very apparent to everyone you know in 2020 it's something that's always been happening the world economic forum is not new it's been this is was its 54th year but I think it wasn't very obvious to people until, you know, we sort of had the onset of COVID and we saw that freedoms were being taken away from everyone, regardless of who you were and where you were from. So it's going on around the world. It's not just us. And we have to, we have to think about that. But we also have to think about the fact that if there is this group of globalists, our idea As people who believe in the constitution is that we keep, we must keep government small. And the idea of globalism is so far from that, so far from what the American constitution allows for, because even that implies that even if we were able to make things right here in America and get all of our government all sorted out and everybody's happy and it's all working the way it's supposed to be, there would still be a group that nobody voted in, superseding all of that worldwide, I think that's worth talking about.
1: Yeah, uh, great point. A a lot of different pieces to jump in on there, uh, including uh, one of the the highlights that I I liked on the points you just went over, that there is a noticeable struggle around the world. Um, you know, you can look at the farmers and the truckers in Germany and France and the Netherlands that are pushing back against this silly made up bunch of baloney about the, you know, the green, yeah, everything's going green and, uh, you know, we're, everybody's going to have to ride a pedal bike, uh, except the elites. They're still allowed to fly around in their in their carbon generating jets and all that. So uh, there are people around the world that are that are engaged in similar efforts to what i would suggest are going on here where we as you've seen in in the west here up in canada there were there were many of the participants with the trucking thing and they were they were cut they came down on them with an iron fist and it, it looks like there's a slight chance there's some little uh, chinks in the armor there that maybe they're gonna maybe they're gonna be some retribution up there there certainly should be the mm-hmm. folks in Canada should have rallied behind those that are standing up and just speaking out for freedom. It didn't have again. They weren't they weren't trying to force somebody into their choice. They just said we want ours. We want right. ours without being told that we had to do something, which largely was, in fact, it, you know what went on here. And I I think as you alluded to earlier, one of the one of the hot spots around the world, and there are many. Uh, And there are many of them as a result of people that are standing up and pushing back what they see to be oppression coming from a small group of people not necessarily tied to one country or another, which is where we take this idea of uh, the globalist, uh, whatever we want to call those people that are really calling the shots through the World Health Organization, the United Nations and all these other global type entities that are now spewing out uh, edicts that they expect sovereign nations to abide by. And I think there's a big pushback about against that, and rightfully so. And I we, we got to stand with these folks wherever they are in support. And and I think part of that ties into what you mentioned down there in Texas. I think this is going to be fanned into, as you pointed out earlier, you know, there's 25 states for it. There's apparently is 25 states that are against it. If there's 25 for it, or at least there's some shape like that to, and they're once again creating this wedge to make us weak as mm-hmm. a country where we don't have the wherewithal to put off what the big test balloon of the pandemic was, which I largely think that was. How many people are going to just comply? Well, they got a good response. Most everybody just complied. And 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 I think they learned an awful lot. I don't think that's the last one. I think there'd be more coming. But it also conditioned the American public to take in orders from an entity outside of the Constitution outside of our own government. And I think that test balloon was partially to accomplish that end, where now we got the people in this country, or many of them, Many of the sheep, I'm sorry, folks, many of the sheep that just went along with it are going to go along with the next one. And they don't care whether the orders come from somebody sitting over in Davos, Switzerland, that's part of this group or somebody here at home. They're going to do what they're told. And I think it was part of a conditional thing to get us ready uh, for this globalist, what I would suggest is a takeover of all these independent nations.
0: I think so, too. I mean... People get real weird when you bring up conversations like this because they think you're being a foil hat wearing, you know, whatever. Conspiracy, Mm -hmm. crazy, doesn't matter. But the most simple viewpoint of this is just the fact that 10, 20 years ago, everyone was saying, oh, there's a great reset coming. Oh, there's a new world order coming. And these words were, you know, you might as well have been dropping F-bombs. Nobody wanted to hear it. You were crazy. Mm-hmm. You were so audacious for saying these kinds of terms. Well, now the people that sit on these panels in this forum of this organization that who are these people and who are they to us and why, do they, why are they making any decisions for anyone mm-hmm. in this country or mm-hmm. any other – They're the ones that are now using these terms openly. There is a great reset uh, happening, and they are the new world order. And they have absolutely no shame in saying those things. They put it out there for you to see if you're willing to listen. And so when we talk about these things, I think it's really important to remember that even if it sounds absurd and off the wall or too crazy to possibly be true, it's happening. It happened two weeks ago. These people gathered and they sat on a stage and you can pull up their website and you can hear them talk about all these things. Mm -hmm. So there's just, there's not much of an argument there anymore uh, as far as whether it's a conspiracy theory or not. It's not, it's just something that's happening. And so, yeah, that's why we want to talk about it.
1: I'm going to drop another quote on you. Um, I think the guy's name was Dwyer or Dyer or something like that. But he made an observation, I'm pretty sure that was a name. He made an observation that the ultimate ignorance is the rejection of something you know nothing about but refuse to investigate. So to go back to your point, I think there's a large segment of society that simply does not want to have the fear that might come over their heart if they recognize that this stuff is true. So it's a lot easier just to turn on a football game. And to not allow yourself to go down these rabbit holes that 25 years ago, as you suggested, were nothing more than a conspiracy theory, but now you can pull it up and you can hear the words coming out of these people's mouth. You can hear and see when the World Health Organization gathers, they're talking about having global control during pandemics, which are created mostly, I would suggest, or at least there's some suspicion that would support that. So now they're going to say, we take over, we supersede any independent government in the case of these pandemics, and we get to dictate who does what and who stays home and who gets what. That is, that's evident. It was evidence during the last one. So to pretend that this stuff isn't going on simply because you didn't lift up the covers and take a look is no longer a valid argument. It's out there. Um, We probably are only seeing the slightest part of it. Mm -hmm. I would suggest it's probably way, way much bigger. And every aspect of our life is being addressed by these people that have chosen to be our masters. And only we, by becoming involved and educated on these topics, can do anything to stop it. Yeah, Burying your head in the sand is going to do nothing to stop it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to dive in a little bit to some of the things they discussed and how it affects just our everyday life and, you know, what that looks like going forward. Because when these people meet, they're not just sitting down and they're, you know, catching up. What they're doing is they're planning the way they want humanity to look in the future. So that means their intent is to affect our daily lives, whether we think so or not. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I wanted to bring up was they put out... um Kind of like a chart of their risk assessment every year that they do this meeting, and they do the biggest threat facing humanity, you know, within two years and ten years this is my this is just my favorite. I just can't get over this. The greatest risk facing humanity today through the next two years is misinformation and disinformation.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't even. I cannot wrap my head around how these people who have put themselves in charge have decided that misinformation and disinformation is the greatest risk on the planet to our species. Now, keep in mind what we talked about last week. We know that misinformation and disinformation, what that really is, is information that doesn't coincide with their narrative. So they're telling us the biggest risk is humanity disagreeing with them.
1: That's Amen. That's Amen. what they're saying. That's Absolutely. <laughs> what they have said, what they have said in no uncertain terms, as you just pointed out, is that the First Amendment is the biggest threat. People's right to share ideas that are not in agreement with theirs are the biggest threat. In other words... We are the enlightened ones. We are the only ones that know what's best for everybody. And, and if you happen to be a dissenter and be speaking negatively about what the direction they want us to go, you are the biggest threat. So what they are positioning themselves to be is absolute violators and Folks that are committed to tearing down the founding documents because the very first amendment, as we discussed for the last two weeks, is freedom of press and speech. And that is exactly what they're attacking here. And I also think it's it's designed. There's a couple things they're trying to accomplish with that. Not to get too far off, in my estimation. A couple things they're trying to accomplish. Number one, they want all the talking heads who they own. That yeah. being the TV, legacy media outlets and all these other social media platforms that are very much in support of the overall agenda. They want them to start regurgitating these words and regurgitating the biggest threat. The biggest threat, you know, it was, uh, it was uh, these people that are, it was MAGA, but now it is free speech. Basically, what they're saying is the biggest threat is free speech. Well, look at down through history what has happened to a a population of people that have given up their right to free speech. So they have very openly, very blatantly, in complete violation of our Bill of Rights, said the biggest threat, global threat around the world is people's right to free speech. And if that don't scare the hell out of everybody, then we have got an awful lot of work to do. Because the only way that we can stop somebody oppressing us is to be able to express that to other people. And that is what they're trying to shut down.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, is that it's not just that they're putting out, hey, this is the greatest risk. What they're doing is then sitting down for a week, having these four-hour, five-hour conversations with their peers about how we're then going to combat that risk. It's not just that it's a risk. It's that they are putting in place steps To make sure that that risk is resolved, which means that these people who have no governing authority over us are making decisions for us,
1: which then goes
0: back to what we talked about earlier, which, again, it kind of covers everything. Of course, it covers the First Amendment, but it also covers the Fourth Amendment again, because Mm -hmm. that means they're going to be directly infiltrating people's privacy on very... Mm -hmm personal small scales in your own homes and again mm-hmm. this is not a conspiracy there are hour long videos hours and hours of footage of them talking about this and as you yeah. mentioned i am quite sure there is a lot of stuff that we're not seeing this is what they want us to see
1: yes yeah. so- this is just a, this is just a little dribble that, that they let come out you know, and and the thing that is really scary to me is they're going to have half this country that are standing in support of that. Oh, in yeah. other words, when they start rolling this out and, and all the talking heads start puking this out for the next month or two that the misinformation, and they already are, quite honestly. We're, you know, this isn't anything that hasn't begun. It's already underway, and it has been. It's coming from the government offices, so now all the talking heads are regurgitating it. And <clears throat> they're going to get half this country to go along with, well, you 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 have to go to this source because the rest of it's misinformation. So they are going to further limit the amount of information that they're exposed to and further enslave themselves in march lockstep. And that will provide the political cover for all of the turds that are sitting in our offices to go along with it. Because half this country will buy the garbage that they're fed into their head off of that television set. It will never dawn on them down through history what has happened to people that had their right to free speech taken away and had their right to free practice and had their guns taken away. So they have built, again, they have built this huge um, class of people that we we call the victim class or or the, um, you know, the freeloaders. They have created this to provide political cover. Mm-hmm. So the, the folks that are in D.C. that could say, oh, no, 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 that isn't happening here. They got half the country that's going to support them for going along with it. Yep. That's the real scary thing. Yep.
0: Yep, that's exactly right. They're just teaching people to sit down and shut up and they've been trying harder and harder every year and it's it's working. I mean, that's what propaganda does. They've been using the same tactics for centuries, so why change a good thing, I guess? But yep. um on that note, uh we can dive into a couple of the other big topics that came up, which of course one of them is climate change because we talked about the two year risk being uh the greatest risk as misinformation disinformation. They're saying that the greatest risk facing humanity on a 10 year scale is climate change. And my favorite part about this is that the like war on climate change stuff um Mm -hmm. no matter how far back in history you look it's always a 10 year out issue is it isn't that interesting is that it's Mm -hmm. no matter if it's 50 years back 60 years back it's always that in the next 10 years that's when it's gonna be really bad Mm
1: -hmm. okay
0: well 60 years ago when they were saying that uh, they thought we were all going to be dead. So when they're saying it now, it doesn't carry quite as much weight, at least to me. So yeah, absolutely,
1: you know, just remember Al Gore and the rest of the Looney Tunes when they were running around 15, 20 years ago, telling us that you know the the whole Eastern Seaboard is going to be underwater in 10 years, and you know you've got these other fruitcakes like Greta Thunberg and the rest of them who who they they have made a hero out of that run around. Sp- uh, spilling this stuff with no scientific data. Again, if you really want to get scientific about it, there are many, many dissenting opinions about that whole thing. Personally, I think it's a hoax, but there's a lot of different scientists that have a lot more knowledge about it than I do. And I like to try and review all the information and you can find valid argument from either side. Is there is, is things warming up? Well, quite possibly. Has there always been cycles? Yeah, quite possibly. As, as, are humans able to affect it? Well, I really kind of doubt it. And And meanwhile, they're all out building uh, you know, five million dollar mansions on the seashore and flying around in their jets. If they really believed all this stuff, would they? Would they not be the ones leading by example? So, again, I think it is all fodder for the masses to keep their p- keep their support base up. You're gonna you're gonna provide for them the opportunity to be virtuous. The people that are going along with the big green agenda, well, you really should be, you should be using a paper straw and you should be riding your pedal bike to work and really trying to cut down on how much hot water you use during your shower. And somehow that makes them really feel like they're being virtuous and somehow they are supporting what is uh, the world going off a cliff because we're going to burn up because, you know, because of some cyclical change in temperature, but they like the folks running around three years later with their mask on. They get to be virtuous and show the rest of us how to live. I think, you know, again, if you fail to investigate and you reject an idea just because it doesn't go along with what you're in support of, uh, that is, at least by some folks' definition, the ultimate ignorance. And I think that's largely what's affected a big part of our country.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I like what you said about the virtue thing, because the thing that's like, funny to me is that we just discussed about how they've been teaching people to sit down and shut up, to walk in step, walk in time, do the same thing as this person, think the same thing as this person, watch the same news, behave exactly the same as everyone around you. And when you do, you get a gold star because you get to say that you're a good person.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Congrats. Yep. So Speaking to those points about how, you know there's a ton of a ton, a ton of uh, scientific data that argues for both sides, uh, one thing I wanted to go back on was some of the things that have been said over the last 50 years. We've discussed how this is the 54th World Economic Forum Summit, and conveniently, uh, about. 54-ish years ago is when things really started kind of taking off for the climate change initiative. So I'm going to just run through some quotes over the last 50-ish years that people have said. So the first one, we have Paul Ehrlich in 1968, an esteemed Stanford biologist considered to be an expert in this field at the time. He says, the battle to feed humanity is over. That was in 1968. It's over. Mm -hmm. Do you know what the Mm -hmm. world population was? It was 3.5 billion. Do you know what it is now? 7.9 billion. billion. It went up by 4.5 billion. And he thought it was Mm. over then. So let's fast forward a little bit. 1970, we have Harvard biologist George Wald he says civilization will end within 15 to 30 years unless immediate action is taken against problems facing mankind okay well on that note i should have never been bored but here we are moving forward 1975 at this time this is this is an interesting time because now all of the scientists at the time that were considered to be experts were making it very clear to the public we're putting it out in everyone's faces uh that the biggest problem was global cooling so we've we've had a pretty big turn there in five years Mm -hmm. but wait because by 1978 a mere three years later we now have global warming coming back to kill us all according to the experts at the time so I could run through these forever, but I'll jump forward to Al Gore in 2006 because that's one that a lot of people know. Um, Of course, he was saying that if no action was taken at that time in 2006, the world was going to end by 2016. This stuff is just literally so embarrassing. It is. Here's my favorite. I think I've got one more. This one was in 2014, so 10 years ago. Right, We're right on target. Remember, it's always a 10 year out. It's 10 years out. Mm-hmm. The French foreign minister at the time in 2014 said that there are 500 days left to avoid climate chaos. 500 days. Well, I'm mm-hmm. not that good at math, but I think there's more than 500 days in 10 years. Mm-hmm. So for a century, all of the experts have been saying, This is our last chance. This is it. Mm -hmm. Well, again, I'm not calling conspiracy. But what it looks like to me is that over the last 50 plus years, all of the most wealthy and powerful people got together and painted this picture of doom and gloom for the entire world. But what happened Mm-hmm. No, no climate chaos. Here's what did happen. All of those people sitting in power continued to get more wealthy in that amount mm-hmm. of time, in that five-year mm-hmm. window, that 10-year window that they promised we'd all be dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nothing nothing bad happened. But right. they did funnel a ton of money into the corporations that inevitably funnel money back to them. Isn't that convenient?
1: Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, many, many points again there. I'm glad you really brought a lot of that up. That, those are just awesome. Um, it's a couple of comments I'd like to just weigh out there uh, based on some of those remarks. None of those folks changed any of their living habits. None. Yep. You know, the ones that have been proclaiming that. In fact, they've only wiped our nose in it by living more exuberantly. Another point that we need to make out, and we've heard this mentioned many times, never let a crisis go to waste. And that doesn't matter whether it's a naturally occurring crisis or something that's man-made. So if you create the crisis and you know that you're going to have a large segment of population, just go along and believe you because they're sheep, period. Don't don't have to make any further explanation than that. They've already identified themselves as sheep. They've run around and got all of their stuff that they were told to get and did all the things they were told to get so we know. If we come out with a change of verbiage, like you pointed out going down through that, within three or five years, they went from the world's going to cool down to, from an ice age to now it's global warming. And the herd went along with it with no substantiated evidence. They can look out their window, they can see the world hasn't changed. And, and all of these, but they have created the wherewithal politically to not endanger themselves and only further their agenda. So, you know, you've heard many times the term useful idiots. I am sorry. I don't want to offend anybody. But we have a country largely full of useful idiots that buy into this crap and give power to the few, taking away from themselves and wealth as well. Just as you pointed out, what funnel out of the working class, Mary? Wealth. Yep. That's what they took. And it's just like that one of those comics that was sent around. When all of the nonsense was going on, a lot more brains got washed than hands back during you know, when everybody's running around with a bottle of squirt juice in their hands so they could wash themselves off every time they brushed up against something that somebody else might have touched in the last week and they're squirting this stuff on themselves. A lot more brains got washed in hands, and that is the truth. And until people wake up and realize that these people that are telling you what you got to do to save yourself are doing nothing but ripping you off. And bigger than that, bigger than that, remember. Many of them ta- have talked about the importance of depopulation of the world. So yeah. be very, very careful on how much of this stuff you buy into, because to me, that's the ultimate goal. They want an exuberant amount of wealth to be reserved to them, and they want a bunch of peons left that are going to be out there slaving away every day to help make sure that they stay in the wealthy caste and the rest of us are just serfs. And and that's really what it is. We have to wake up, and, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem like we're there yet, but that's part of what we're trying to do. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to call anybody names, but, but the truth of the matter is we got a lot of useful idiots out there that are just going along with anything that they hear on that television set. And that has led to where we're at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And, uh, you know, same thing goes for like the climate change stuff. I know that's a touchy subject for people and I, I can understand it because Of course the climate is always shifting. And right now we've had some really crazy stuff going on with the weather and natural disasters and stuff the last several years, this winter. You know, I get it. I get the other side. I get people that are really on that that train and that mindset. But I just think there's a lot of other pieces to that puzzle at play that people are not taking into consideration because they're hearing only the one side they've subjected themselves to and
1: Hmm.
0: you know as you pointed out the governing class the globalists the people that are putting this fear of climate change in people's minds at the end they don't care what you're afraid of they want you to be afraid because it it's not a conspiracy again it's psychology when you Make someone afraid, you have control over them. It's a manipulation tactic. So what's happening is that they preach doom and gloom and the society, the general, you know, majority, goes into fight or flight mode. Subconsciously, maybe, might be just out of their control, might not even know they're doing it, but they go into fight or flight mode and they react. And more often than not, they react in the way that they're instructed to. So the people that scare you while doing so, instruct you how to move forward with your life in a way that you no longer have to be scared, okay? So you go down that train, you start moving in this way they want you to move, you start doing the things they're telling you to do. you've been manipulated, and you can look at that any way you'd like, but that's just the truth of it. Someone has taken control of the way that you've you conduct your everyday life so the climate change stuff and, you know, the fear stuff really plays into what the World Economic Forum calls Agenda 2030. No. Now, conveniently, we might remember all this shit comes on a five, 10 year away scale. It used to be called Agenda 21, but ah, mm-hmm. we're past 2021. So we got to push it all back in other ways, because obviously it's not happening yet. Um, all the the bad, horrible uh, end of days that they had promised us. So agenda 2030 is, you know, they paint it as this beautiful picture where they're making the world a better place. And here's how we're going to do it. We're going to end hunger. We're going to empower women. We're going to ensure sustainability and, you know, protect our natural resources. And all this is going to be done on a global scale and everyone has to shape up or none of this is going to happen. So What Agenda 2030 really is, is all of those things that we talked about as sounding like a conspiracy. Because, yeah, maybe all these things sound good, but how do you get those things? Mm -hmm. Well, some examples might be decreasing the population, for one thing. Uh, It might be having more control over what people do with their time, where they go. Example smart cities. This is something commonly discussed at the World Economic Forum, and we're already seeing them pop up all over the world, now within our own country. Smart cities, what does that mean? Oh, it sounds good. They're going to be more sustainable. They're going to be more green.
1: Hold on just a second. Okay. Okay. Sorry.
0: It sure sounds good on paper, but in practice, what does that look like? Well, the smart city example means... Big Brother gets even bigger. You have way more security everywhere around you, invading your personal space at all times. People are always watching what you're doing, how far you're going, how far are you driving your car. We have this initiative for you know, cleaner energy and electric vehicles. Okay, well, we've seen what can happen if it isn't ideal weather conditions. Oh, all the cars are shut off. Okay, so what happens if all of a sudden you're not doing all the things that your smart city has instructed you to do? They, you know, they can just shut your car off. It's really that Mm -hmm. simple. Anything that's on the power grid can be shut off. And what they're trying to do is make these power grids easier to control, smaller scale, so they can shut it off on a a town basis, on a city basis, on a county basis, on an individual basis. All these things Mm -hmm. that they preach as being this, you know, big, beautiful this is kind of like the utopia that we've all been waiting for. Agenda 2030, everything's going to be better and everyone's going to be able to be more creative and genders are going to be equal and this and that. It's like, how do you get there? Just ask yourself that. If all of these things are going to happen, how do you get there? More often than not, it involves the people in power getting more power and your rights diminishing even more.
1: So I, I, uh, 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 again, there are an awful lot. Um, a a couple of things that I think were really highlights, um, control. That's obviously what it's about. It's all about control and it's more for the few and less for the rest. That's what it is. So if you want to, if you want to cheer this stuff on while you listen to those folks talking about the commoners eating bugs. We have to cut down on the beef. We have to cut down on this and that. And they're going to they're get used to eating bugs and they're going to own nothing like it. When you hear these remarks, yet you find yourself cheering because all the genders are going to be equal or whatever these little buzz terms are that they like to throw out there to drum up support from the weak of mind and the virtue signaling crowd. However, I would suggest the article that I sent out today, based on you pointing it out to me, which I had glanced at the headlines and I knew the the uh, new prime minister president uh, from uh, Argentina had had laid out some really really wonderful points out there at his opportunity to speak. I think that's something that everybody um, should spend a minute or two and read the verbiage from his uh, speech and. Basically, what the, what the group is doing is suggesting socialized medicine, socialized this, so everybody's going to share and all the rest of it. But this guy very well articulates the outcome of socialism. It has never worked. The only thing that can diminish poverty is capitalism and an opportunity for people to better themselves and create wealth and create jobs. That's what stops. Poverty, and he described that very eloquently in his speech by showing the numbers that were living in poverty at 1800, Mm -hmm. 95% of the global population. Compared to now, where there's 5%, and capitalism was the only thing that could have changed that by the booming economies at different spots around the world, creating wealth for people, creating better living conditions. So how people cannot look at that evidence... And say, you know what, we don't need a few people trying to socialize the whole world and everybody's going to share and it's all going to be beautiful. This stuff never works. What you got to do is you got to get up, put your work boots on in the morning, go participate in the workforce, and that's how everybody gets better. So it's a hard sell again we're swimming upstream there's this huge group that's been created in this country but around the world and other places as well that's going to be very hard to 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 convince that the only way they can help us fix this problem is by giving up something that they're getting for free and they're just not likely going to do that yeah so that's that's a heavy lift you know that's a real problem here
0: yeah yeah absolutely i mean you you just said it is that it it's Painting this picture of a socialist world where everyone has everything they need and they don't have to work for it versus the other side, which is that everyone can have everything they need, but you do have to work for it because the truth is, is that when you do work for it, you will have it. The flip Mm -hmm. side of that is though socialism is painted in a light that makes it sound like you'll have it, it has ended in poverty 100% of the times it has been instated.
1: That's correct.
0: And people pretend yep. it just hasn't been done right before.
1: Yep. We, we, that's because we haven't tried it. We're the smart ones that are going to know how to make it work. That's what somehow they've been able to convince themselves. But, you know, there's, there's history is littered with the flopped uh, experiments into socialism and all this wonderful talk. And, how you know, it's easy to convince somebody that it's somebody else's job to carry your freight for you, but it never works out. Yep. sooner or later that feller gets tired of carrying everybody's freight and the wheels come off yep. and then everybody's in a bad boat, you know?
0: Yeah. So before we come back to that, there's, there was a couple more points I wanted to get to with some of the topics that were, you know, pretty heavy hitters at the WVEF summit this year. And one of them, um, I think it's going to be important is the big disease X conversation. So, mm-hmm. You have this panel, sit down, the experts, if you will, uh, they sit down, they talk about this hypothetical disease that they claim will end up killing many more than COVID-19. And they reiterate again and again and again that it's not if, it's when. Well, while this is going on, we've all been seeing the news headlines, which, you know, probably about a co- two weeks back. Again, remember, Mm -hmm. this panel was happening two weeks back. We see all these headlines about, oh, there's a lab in China experimenting with uh, new COVID strains that are 100% fatal in mice. Okay, nothing to see here, people. The experts are telling us it's not if, it's when. And these experts over here at the very same time are telling us, great news, we've created a new disease, and it's going to kill everything. Again, they're painting a big doom and gloom here, but... The thing that's so interesting about this is that when they're telling us about how they're expecting this disease, that they're just hypothetically calling disease X, it's just, you know, a name to put on something that doesn't exist. Um, They're also telling us that they have, as you've mentioned before, a global plan for how they're going to respond to it next time. They have they have funding set aside. Where's the funding coming from? This is a global organization that nobody voted in. No, they don't have any authority over us. But they have funding somehow. That's perfect. Um, they're talking about all of the like hypothetical um, supplies that we may need. Oh, how it's so weird <laughs> that they might have an idea of what that would look like. So. I'm not. I'm not crying conspiracy. I'm not. I'm simply posing the question. Who gained the most during the last pandemic? Was it the people sitting on those panels? Well, how convenient Mm -hmm. that now they're suggesting there's about to be another one. Mm -hmm. Isn't that funny? So, the last point I want to make with the disease X is the lab in China that's experimenting on the mice. Now, keep in mind one of the big conspiracies for literal years was that this had leaked out of a lab that was doing gain of function research, which means they were researching to, you know, protect humanity. That has all come out to be true by Anthony Fauci himself. He's gone ahead and said has testified that the Wuhan lab leak. Conspiracy was never a conspiracy at all. And that is exactly how COVID-19 originated. Mm -hmm. So if that has now come out to light four years later, and yet they're telling us that this next disease will just also, it'll just happen. And it's just nature taking its course. How dare we not ask them any questions? How dare we not question them? It sounds to me like they know exactly what's going to happen and when and probably exactly where it's going to come from. Not calling conspiracy, just making points.
1: Yep. And I think, I think many of the same traits are recognizable in the last one. And, and I think it's common place um, that oftentimes these global events are telegraphed. You hear little bits and pieces like you know the plan's getting out there, and I think part of it is to get to get the, the sheep conditioned. Oh yeah, well, all these brilliant minds knew that this was coming. Well yeah, they're they're hatching it, and they're you know they're going to make sure that it's coming. You know, so I think oftentimes this stuff is telegraphed. And I think it's done to to monitor. It's a test balloon to monitor what kind of pushback there's going to be if there's anybody standing up yet saying, "Oh, wait a minute, it sounds an awful like like it did the last time." And so, and and not only that, but I think it gets people ready for it. So when it rolls out, yep, they they were able to predict that again. So, you know, we're we're talking about X. I, I found it very curious that it was named X, and I don't know how or why it would tie together. But isn't there some some platform or something that's X now? Wasn't oh, yeah. that, that, didn't that just come out too? I don't know if that, I, I'm I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything, but it, it seemed very curious. Was that done to take somebody down or what? I, I don't know, but it huh. seemed like there was something that just switched over to X. And now we got a disease that's called X. I found that a little bit curious, but. It's
0: a hot take.
1: Uh, it, uh-huh.
0: That, that's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's something yeah. I hadn't considered before. Nice.
1: I just kind of <laughs> thought, thought that that was a little bit, a little bit curious. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, as as you pointed out there, there are things being said in this group of very select people that I think the rest of us should be paying very close attention to. And we should be sharing these discussions. And I don't think any of them are over there uh, or very, very few of them are over there looking out for the welfare of the world when they're talking about how we're going to get everybody herded up into these smart cities and stuff like that. And they're going to decide how the rest of us live. I don't think that that's anything that the rest of us should be sitting back and pretending we're not hearing about it, but we should be sharing as we're intending to do or trying to do here. I think it's important that people talk about this stuff, And because the only way we're going to be able to push back is if there's some people that know about it that, and at least suspect that the, the stuff that's coming down the pike is not in our best interest.
0: Yeah, exactly. But
1: I, I didn't know how far you wanted to go on here yet. We're about an hour and a half in, Bree. I know,
0: I know. So- We've been taking these a little longer than uh, originally intended, but... There's just a couple more points I want to get to. The last one, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about the the Javier Malay speech. Um, but there was one more thing I wanted to talk about that they had discussed on all these panels throughout the week was AI was like a big point for them. They talked a lot about AI extensively. But the one clear takeaway that I heard from the few hours that I listened to was Klaus Schwab himself at one point said that with predictive software, the world may not even need elections.
1: Yep. Yep. I, Everyone I saw that should
0: one, hear that. Everyone yep. should hear saw,
1: that. Absolutely right. I saw that one too. And I think, again, it's a conditioning move. It's getting everybody kind of softened up to the idea that, uh, well, you know, the computer can kind of monitor the, uh, the, uh, the temperature of the, of the society. We can kind of get our finger on a pulse and, and the computer's going to make a decision. And I think they drift that out there, but we will only continue to hear more about that. And you yeah. know what, again, if, if people don't pull their head out of the sand and, and, quit allowing themselves to be sheep and just buy into all this crap, they're going to go along with it. They'll be cheering for it. Now I don't even have to get up and vote anymore. A computer's going to do it for me. And there'll be people that are cheering for it. So <clears throat> yeah. I think I think a big part of our effort's got to be to make these points to people and, and to try to show how concerning it should be that basically we have a few people left in the world that are thinking for the rest of us. And, and, and I think, I hope that there's some of us out here in numbers that are not willing to accept that. Yeah, I'm not willing to accept somebody thinking for me, somebody telling me what medicines I have to take, tell me where I have to live, what kind of house I have to live in, what kind of car I'm allowed to drive. I am not. I I'm not happy with that. I'm not willing to accept that.
0: Well, that's the thing is that that's what it all comes down to is that everything they discuss is all of those things. It is the food we eat. It is the car we drive. It's how. It's the job we have. It's yep. probably uh what our family dynamic looks like. I I, I don't want to dive too far into all these subjects, but another thing that they had talked about was women's health. And they talked about it in the way that they believed that they could prolong women's life so they could stay in the workforce longer. They want Mm -hmm. women in the workforce so they're not at home with their kids. They're not only trying to change what you eat, but they're trying to destroy the way you raise your family. It's every detail Mm -hmm. of your life. So again, I know this is like a podcast based on our freedom as Americans, but this stuff touches all of us and it will touch us if we don't push back. So it's just, it's just maddening. But again, we're getting pretty far down the timeline here. The last thing I wanted to talk about was just Javier Malay's speech, who, as you had mentioned, is the new president of Argentina. And of course, for anyone who's paid attention to that at all, he basically come in, came in uh to his new position which you know he was fighting years and years of a socialist society he gets in the people are stoked and he just cuts a ton of government employees waste of money mm-hmm. you're all out of here fantastic yep. love this guy's approach already so he comes in as you've said uh promoting the idea of capitalism and explaining that it's the only real way to end poverty if this group claims to want to end poverty and hunger make the world a better place they have to be focused on capitalism and he goes on to talk about libertarianism but he basically comes Mm -hmm. in and he's blowing up all of these people's entire idea of collectivism which when you look at collectivism that's really just a fancy word for communism Mm -hmm. again it's not a conspiracy It's the idea that people should prioritize the good of society over their own welfare. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. That's communism. But Mm -hmm. you can call it collectivism if it makes you feel better about yourself. So this group of collectivists and globalists, he comes in and says, collectivism will not work. It's failed every single time. I just stepped into the role of president in a country that has been living under a somewhat socialist government for however many years. And I can tell you that my country's never been poorer and we have nowhere to go but up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So he talks about how there's nothing just and virtuous about social justice because the state's efforts are all financed through coerced taxes. I mm-hmm. thought that was fascinating because of course we know the greater coercion, the less the freedom. And that's what he's saying is that these ideas they put in your mind that are just and virtuous will not come from nothing. They will have to come from your taxes that you did not have any choice in paying.
1: That's right. It's coerced.
0: So he then speaks about how countries that are significantly wealthier than those that aren't... um, I don't know what I have here. I have a bunch of notes written up, but let me, let me look. He questions the WEF and their global push of socialist agendas because free enterprise capitalism and economic freedom have been through all of human history the greatest cures to poverty, which we've kind of already discussed a little bit. But he mm-hmm. basically is questioning their motives. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that this is what solves it. Why are you doing anything but that? So it's just really interesting to see this guy come up on this big platform and talk about all of these things in front of these people. Um, The other guy who I don't really think got as much media attention was Kevin Roberts out of a company called Heritage in Texas. And he pretty much said the only way society and humanity moves forward is to do the exact opposite of every single thing that you people here are saying. Mm -hmm. And I I think he should have got just as much attention as Javier Malay, because even though, I mean, I don't know him, maybe he's kind of nobody to a lot of people. I think that he brought up a really, really powerful point that hit home was that everything they're doing there is completely wrong. It's completely unlawful. And it is the complete decimation of not just our, freedom as Americans, but freedom on a global scale. Um, the last thing that I did want to talk about, just c- real quick, because I feel like it's really relevant to all the founding document conversations that we've been bringing up, was that at one point um, in Javier Malay's speech, he did come full circle talking about libertarianism and freedom and what that looks like Um, He kind of initiated this part of the conversation by bringing up that the WEF has all this push for gender equality and radical feminism and this and that. But he kind of goes on to say that for libertarians, gender equality already exists. It's never not existed because everyone Mm -hmm. is always free. And he references the Declaration of Independence directly, saying that all men are created equal and that we are granted unalienable rights by our creator. And so he speaks to life, liberty, and ownership or property. And I thought that was really profound and really relevant to the conversations we've been having here. I know I kind of went off on a tangent with all that, but I think there there was so much.
1: (laughs) And and I think, uh, to your point uh, on Malay's speech, I think you could spend a whole segment or a whole episode on that because there were so many good things that were brought up that people in this country especially need to hear because they always get the opposite crammed down their throat and many of them are going along with it. So what I think is the risk is if that spirit of liberty going on in Argentina starts to spread to surrounding countries and becomes a movement at large I think uh, the forces that he was brushing up against over there, that being the group that he was over there speaking in front of, are certainly going to do what they deem is necessary to keep their agenda on track. And, And I'm a little bit afraid of what that might mean for these single voices that stand up and if they start to gain momentum. Uh, there's going to be a war started, there's going to be a coup of some sort. All of these things happen. The United States has been involved with this sort of thing lots and lots of times around the world. And I suspect that this group over there is way more sinister in their intention. Um, And and I would be very concerned if there was any real traction gain. But this guy was saying a lot of the things that is perfectly in line with what our founding documents say. Mm-hmm. And the value of individual liberty, it's completely opposition to what those folks over there at the WEF are pushing. And if we can only get enough people woke up in this country to recognize that these people in high places, and I'm not just talking about elected officials here. They're just puppets in the scheme. But these people in high places are not looking out for the welfare of people around the world when they start talking about all this gibberish about putting people into these controlled cities and everybody's going to have a chip in them and your car can be shut off if they happen to be not like something that you're up to or whatever. This is not good. It is completely limiting freedom and somebody is doing your thinking for you. And if you think that's a good thing, you were born, you were, you, you were born looking the wrong direction. I don't know how to help you, but our effort is to try and wake people up and to your point about that speech over there. I think there's a lot of material that can be discussed in, in, Uh, you know, in agreement with uh, what we have been discussing over the last couple times here, but
0: for sure. Um, Maybe we'll dive into that further, but we'll try to wrap it up since it's been a pretty long bit here. But uh, the last thing that I personally wanted to end on, and then I'll let you do the same is just that um, when I look at people like Javier Malay and Kevin Robertson, I see them come up on a global platform and they are, very willing to, you know, put themselves out there as you suggested for what they believe is right. And people get this sense of hope and they go, yes, perfect. Mm -hmm. Finally, someone is up there saying what I couldn't say. Mm -hmm. My rebuttal to that would be that no one is a hero and no one's coming to save you. So if you don't, Put yourself in the position of someone who can save yourself then there is no fight because one guy up there isn't going to do it so
1: very well said
0: my hope is that eventually in time this podcast can not only lead to more information being shared but also wider skill sets because the one thing that we can do to ensure our freedom is to become more self-sufficient we talk a lot about dependency class okay, what's the best thing we can do to destroy a dependency class? It's make people more independent, make more people independent. So hopefully we can share enough information and maybe in time, some sort of knowledge of skills and resources so that people are able to feel more independent. If we weaken the dependency class, if we make the class, the working class bigger and more independent, then we'll be stronger And there's a much better chance for the survival of freedom. So that's my final note for the night.
1: (laughs) That was great. That was very well put. Uh, Yeah. So, hey, uh, great session. It did go a little longer than uh, maybe either of us had thought, but I I think we got off on some pretty good topics and I think we we covered them pretty well. Uh, In closing from my end, uh, you know... As you well know, and, I, and I'm going to share this with our friends out there in the audience, and I have a very dear friend, a patriot from a very long time who stood with me when I stood for sheriff in Elk County here in Elk County, Pennsylvania, uh, is is suffering a debil- debilitating disease. And uh, if anybody out there in the listening audience is uh, inclined to say a prayer, I'm going to ask on behalf of Dave my de- very dear friend for 40 years I'm going to ask that uh, prayers be lifted up for Dave uh that uh, either either the hand of the Lord be resting upon him to get him through this or that he goes through with uh with uh, out much more suffering to his eternal reward so uh, as I try to do in the last couple of segments I do have a verse for tonight this comes from uh Peter 5 uh, verse 8 and 9, uh, for all of us. Be alert and and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And I think that's a little bit present in what's going on today, and we got to stand strong, stand in faith, and we will win in the end. Not sure what's going to happen between now and then, but we will win in the end. Yeah. So God bless America. Uh, love seeing you again. And it was a great discussion tonight. Look forward to the next one.
0: Likewise. Great verse tonight. And of course, sending many prayers to Dave. All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. This is Brian Blaze signing off. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate all the support and love getting to share this message with anyone who wants or needs it. The best way for you to help us do that is to like, follow, subscribe, add a rating, and share with everyone you know. We'll see you next Thursday at 6 p.m. Stay vigilant.